0: Why, hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Peacock and Williamson, giving you everything you need to know from a wide national angle through a wide lens. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson have you covered over there, also part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, your pal, and the Kid You Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today is Tuesday and you know what that means it is Twitter Tuesday you know the drill you guys asked questions I have answers for you and you guys are weird so this is gonna be a weird one and we're all just gonna to have to to uh, make our peace with that right now but you know what it's a June mailbag what did you all expect uh, well the first one is one that comes from Forrester who asks by the nerd stuff Kirk Cousins has been by far the best intermediate passer in the NFL since the Steph Kubiak system was put in they run a lot of heavy personnel yet the Vikings rank dead in the middle for tight end usage rate I guess I wonder why just product of having two very good wide receivers just not liking his tight ends nearly as much as Jordan Reed Um, so I assume the nerd stuff that Forster's talking about is uh, like EPA and completion percentage over expectation and stuff and I've seen similar stats yeah Kirk's a very good intermediate passer those 15 you know 10 between 10 and 20 yard throws are like excellent Um, and I think part of it is just the way play progressions work Because a lot of times when you have two tight ends in a wide zone concept, one of those tight ends will be a short passing concept. You know, they'll be running like a stick route or something closer to the flat. There'll be a check down option. And, you know, if you're throwing the intermediate route, I don't know how often that's the tight end. Uh, I think the deeper stuff that tight ends throw might actually be deep stuff, maybe over 20 yards, like a lot of those Irv Smith kind of verticals up the seam, that kind of stuff. Um, And I, I think in terms of, like, target rate, I think that's just kind of a quirk of the way the plays are designed. I don't know if that reflects well or poorly on our tight ends or whatever, or it's not like Kirk Cousins is sitting there before the snap going, well, I guess I'd rather throw to a wide receiver than a tight end. He's not making that decision. He's reading coverages and kind of reading cues and going through the flow chart that the play gives him. I do think a big part of that is that over the last couple years, Kyle Rudolph hasn't been running as many routes. Uh, He was blocking a lot because of all the line troubles and that he's not exactly a deep threat anymore, so I think That was part of it. I wonder if that'll change with Irvin Conklin at the helm. Um, But we're going to talk about those two guys in a little bit. Next one comes from Casey, who asks is it possible? Shermer told the Vikings the Bears were trying to trade up, so the Vikings tried trading up higher in an effort to trade back out to, to a quarterback-needy team just to prevent the Bears from picking and, of course, get the draft capital. Not being confident, of, confident enough infields to take him at eight overall, but seeing enough potential to want him in another division. Um, I, I don't know if that like Goldilocks middle ground exists. Either you think the guy's a good quarterback and you want him for yourself, or you don't think he's a good quarterback and you don't care where he goes. The way the reporting sounds, the way the Vikings vikings behaved for my money if i had to guess um a we know that like the vikings were divided right they are not a monolithic uh, entity. There are a lot of people in that room, and they didn't all have the same opinion on Fields, which means that the kind of room as a whole had a very mixed view and just wasn't as high on Justin Fields. Maybe the Bears were just unanimous and really, really loved Justin Fields. I also think the Bears just had more kind of pushing them to be aggressive about quarterback. Matt Nagy's seat is hotter than Mike Zimmer's. I don't think anybody can argue that. And same with uh, Ryan Pace versus Rick Spielman. So yeah, they went for a little bit more desperation. And I also just think, you know, if you're the Giants, you're a little bit more interested in you know trading down for a first round pick uh for you know two first round picks one this year and one next year and they were probably fairly comfortable that Kadarius tony was going to be there at 20 and that's who they ended up taking so they probably liked the the uh trade down that got them more capital and they kind of felt like they still were going to get their guy versus going down like two spots and barely getting anything but also trading up to eight with carolina was such a like a lowball offer um, that, you know, the Vikings, I just don't think they were that serious about Justin Fields. I don't think we need to get that much more complicated with it. CISO, uh sent a tweet from Chris Brown, Crispy Brown, who uh, wrote the book Smart Football, which is a phenomenal book. You should follow Crispy Brown on Twitter at Smart Football and you should buy his book and you should read his book if you're looking to get to know football a little bit better. Um, and he was in a conversation with a bunch of people and dropped a take and Stizo asks, to what extent do you agree with the following? There's an assumption now that more motion and shifts equals unequivocal good obviously it can be a great tool, but there's a trade off and also plenty of logic to staying more static as with everything it depends on your philosophy and what you're trying to do and what the defense is doing. So I think this is a very good take and an important thing to remember. So there's a very, uh, it's like Warren Sharp level analysis where it's like, look, here are the plays where they use motion, pre-snap motion and shifts and stuff. Here are the plays where they did and the plays where they did, uh, did better. Um, and I think there's maybe a survivorship bias because the, if you tried to do a shift or a motion on every play, there are sometimes where that gets countered. For example, let's say you're watching a defense and you know that they like to roll a coverage in response to a particular shift. Let's say they roll from a two high look to a one high look and they do like a rip Liz thing, which is like something the Vikings do a lot where, uh, a safety will come down in the box but they'll only do it in response to a shift from this particular alignment to that particular alignment. Uh, so if you want to be in one alignment and you don't want to invite that shift, maybe you don't want a safety in the box, you won't do the shift. That's like a super vague example. There's also just the idea that you know shifts change things right before the snap and that might not generate an advantage for you if you're the young team if you're the young team with a young o-line and people's trying to get it together maybe there's a bunch of backups and the chemistry isn't there you don't necessarily want to do a motion that'll shift the gaps right before the snap and invite somebody to make a mistake against their veteran defensive line that absolutely can handle that better than your guys can um you know pick your battlefield right that's the logic that I guess I can think of for not using shifts or being more static there's advantages and disadvantages to it I do think generally you know teams aren't going to not use shifts just because they like don't think it's good they won't use shifts because they're worried about their players ability to execute it or sometimes there's like spacing and strategic game plan reasons where uh, the defense does this particular thing against shifts we don't want that we're not going to invite it by using a shift speaking of shifts make sure yours is in good shape and every other part of your Car, nailed it at RockAuto.com. everything you could possibly need for your car it's super confusing to go out and find that stuff if you're a do-it-yourselfer or if you just need basic supplies like jumper cables and stuff and things that you know may or may not need to be compatible with your particular make and model and gear like transmission fluid or motor oil or something like that it'll get very confusing if you go to rockauto.com rockauto.com is an aggregator of straight from the source auto parts. So instead of going to a retail auto parts store where they're going to upsell you because you're a retail customer and they're going to do all this stuff, Rock Auto doesn't mess with that. You can get the exact same parts and supplies, like same factory and everything shipped directly to your door, cut out the middlemen, and therefore save a buck. And Rock Auto is a family company. They've been doing this online for 20 years. They know what they're doing and they're going to take care of you. So go to rockauto.com and at checkout, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, The bunnies will have no choice but to travel the wild, wild west, robbing trains. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Let's also talk about some grambling. Did you know you could go to betonline.ag? You can bet on any team, yes or no, to make the playoffs. For example, the Vikings are plus 120 to make the playoffs. That means if you bet $100 on it and you won, you would get $120 in profits. You get $220 back, including the $100 you wagered in the first place. So the betting markets see the Vikings as underdogs to make the playoffs. If you disagree and you want to lay a wager down on them, head on over to betonline.ag. If you don't have an account, no worries. It's free to set one up. And when you actually enter your first deposit, enter promo code locked On, You get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put in 200 bucks as your first deposit, enter promo code Locked On, You'll have 300 bucks to gramble with. That's at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Let's continue on with some more mailbag questions. The next one comes from Matt, who said, best guess on where this year's remaining cap space goes. Do we sign a wide receiver three, a defensive end, a defensive tackle, all the other remaining free agent cornerbacks, extend contracts, or roll it into next year? Um, I-, I think they're probably done with corners now. Amari Henderson joined the team. That is a piece of news. I should probably talk about that. Uh, Amari Henderson did actually officially, it seems like he's going to sign. I don't know if it's been like officially announced yet or whatever. It's weird, but he'll be in camp. So that will put them, I think, at 11 or 12 corners. And that's a full group. Any other corners and you're starting to cut people to make room, I believe that puts them at 92 if Amari Henderson. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I believe that puts them at 90 though. So that means that they would be done with spending money out of house, nothing stopping them from bringing in Geno Atkins and you know cutting some random futures contract guy or a practice squad guy or a, or a, an undrafted rookie or something like that. Um, my guess though is that most of that money goes to extending contracts. A lot of extensions don't necessarily require money in the year that you sign them. Um unless there's a big signing bonus or something. But a lot of times you can convert their current salary into that signing bonus. um, And kind of, especially if it's unguaranteed salary, the player will usually agree to that because it's basically a cash advance. They get all the money up front and unguaranteed salary would become guaranteed. It's already in their pocket. Can't get more guaranteed than that. So a lot of times you can use, um, you know, you'll use a lot from future years and stuff, but you can get those extensions done. And that's usually where the the stress comes in. The 2022 cap and the 2023 cap is going to stress extensions a lot more than 20, 2021 cap will. However, for Brian O'Neill, I think you'll probably have to tack a little bit onto his 2021. I think you have to for Daniil Hunter as well if you're going to do something about that situation. So I do think that there is some 2021 cap that'll need to be used. And, you know, Harrison Smith, you could probably do some clever accounting to get his 2021 hit down while extending him for future years. Or you could not do that and just say, we're just going to tack years onto your deal and there's your extension and not actually save anything or add something or something like that. So I I think they've got a lot of work to do in-house and they've got a lot less work they're going to do out of house at this point, which is disappointing. I want them to go out and get an edge rusher like Melvin Ingram or somebody like that, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So sucks. Uh, Gabriel Greco asks, top three most impactful suspensions since 2020, 2010. Vikings suspensions since 2010. So the three I came up with were, I'll go uh, chronological here, Chris Cook, 2011, Was he missed a whole year? Obviously, that had to have a huge effect on 2011, right? And 2011 was a disaster season, largely because of problems in the secondary. So that one has to be a deal. Now, look, Chris Cook was not a gangbusters. Uh, cornerback or anything like that but i gotta imagine that was better than what they ended up trotting out there in 2011 and then i believe chronologically mike prefer was the next one he uh served a bunch of games in 2014 for his homophobic remarks and the whole blowout with chris cluey and all that that was really impactful for two reasons a i think it started to kind of signal uh Changing of the general opinion of Mike Preefer and when special teams started to go sour in 2017 2018. I think it was a lot easier for fans to blame him because there was already kind of a reason to dislike him. But also, Chris Cluey more or less got blackballed from the league after that. I think he ended up in one camp competition with Marquette King, lost it, and that was that. So that was pretty impactful. And then I think the last one would be Adrian Peterson in 2014, obviously had a huge impact on the way the Vikings, uh, you know, they had built their entire offense around Adrian Peterson. And in those early 2010s, Uh, Offenses, the run game, I think, was a much bigger deal than it is now. And so I think losing Adrian Peterson and replacing him with Matt Asiata and a whole bunch of nonsense definitely threw a wrench in that 2014 season. And it was also the inaugural season for Teddy Bridgewater and and Mike Zimmer um, and a lot of other things went wrong in that year. I think Jeff Gladney will end up being up there whatever his suspension ends up being. I think that will be fairly impactful if only because it encouraged the Vikings to do stuff like go after all these veteran corners um like Nickerson and Ty Smith and um this weekend you know uh, brashad Bashad Breeland so if only because it like affected those moves and if any of those guys get extended, you could likely say like well, that was there because of the Gladney thing. Panhandle Slim says what are your top five football movies? I have not seen many football movies, so I'll probably name you five that I have seen and call those my top five. I really liked Invincible. Um, That was, I I thought, an underrated one. Um, Obviously remember remember the titans has to be up there uh great denzel performance you know when you look up lists of football movies silver linings playbook shows up a lot that movie was fine to me but i don't know how much it counts as a football movie it was a movie about like a guy who happened to be a football fan but it wasn't like about football in the way that like remember the titans is uh longest yard obviously that's a, a classic that's one i really like and i can't think of any other ones so is that enough i saw radio as a kid i don't remember it at all chase palm asks uh Chase Palm asks, the defense is almost completely different than the one we ended last season with. No doubt more talented, but whether they can mesh is TBD. What is your best and worst case scenario for the defensive side of the ball this year? You can factor in additional free agents. Um, I probably won't factor in additional free agents. I think this is going to be more or less what the roster is. I don't know. Maybe Geno Atkins comes in or something like that. But for now, I think we're pretty safe saying that this is going to be more or less the build. Um, I I think... It's, you know, we talked about best and worst case scenarios yesterday with the cornerbacks and like worst case scenario cornerback is still like not that bad outside of like, you know, plane crash. Worst case best case scenario for the defensive line is pretty hype, right? That's the scenario. Daniel Hunter comes back and is happy. You know, Patrick Jones can play right away. I think the best case scenario probably involves him coming out right away. Janarius Robinson comes together, you know, by next year. And suddenly you have this deep edge rusher group again. Um, I, at worst case scenario is none of that stuff happens and you're left with like Stephen Weatherly and a street free agent. So I think best case scenario, obviously the secondary is good and you've got all, all this depth. Best case scenario probably involves the Vikings have depth. I think their top end will be pretty good at most places. The best case scenario involves depth also working out. And their worst case scenario is, you know, the one where Patrick Peterson's too old and Cam Dansler's hurt and Gladney is excommunicated from the league and Daniel Hunter demands a trade and, you know, and, and like all the superstars can be gone. And I suppose that's worst case scenario. If you really wanted to go like worst, worst, worst case, realistically, where I think we land is that the secondary will be pretty good. The pass rush will struggle, and we'll see what kind of defense that turns into. Probably a lot more blitzing than is wise, which is unfortunate. You know what else is unfortunate? When you feel like you want a sweet treat late at night, but you're trying to be good so you can't have it, and you just have to like sit there and sulk and think about all the choices in your life that led up to this particularly sad and depressing moment, and you should probably go to bed, but now you're too hungry to go to bed. How about instead of going through all that, just get some Built Bar. Built Bar is a delicious and indulgent treat that tastes like, you know, German chocolate brownie, you know, peanut butter chocolate brownie or uh, chocolate mint, chocolate raspberry, all kinds of stuff that you don't feel like you should be able to indulge in, but you can. It's low calorie, low carb, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's a protein bar. It just tastes like a candy bar. You're tricking your brain into thinking that you you had that cheat day that you've been craving. So head on over to BiltBar.com, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D 15 locked one and you get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all one word, at BuiltBar.com. Moving on with the mailbag, one comes from Dr. Doof, who says, Do you see our solution to the secondary, Peterson, Alexander, Breland, as a patchwork to make a run this season or as one with a positive long-term impact? Could be in the form of extended contracts, mentorship, fanfare, whatever, but I question the idea of of intangible benefits um so i guess okay so if you question the idea of intangible benefits i probably disagree with you i think there's something to having veterans in the room to help guys like harrison hand and cam Dansler uh you know come along um you know, guys like cam- cameron bynum to have that kind of presence they always have in every team on this isn't like a vikings thing every team always has guys that are supposed to kind of develop and if one of them can develop and, you know, you can kind of farm your own talent. Then you can do stuff like ha- lose Jared Allen and replace him with Everson Griffin. Right. That's that's the gold standard in the goal. So that's always the goal. Um doesn't hurt that, you know, you get a guy to kind of be a stopgap now for or a bunch of guys to be stopgaps. Now, look, extensions wise, I could see Patrick Peterson staying. He wants to sign a new contract in the 2022 cap environment, but nothing's stopping that from being a contract with the Vikings. If the Vi- you know, if he plays well, and the Vikings want to pay for it. That's on the table. Sure. I think Mackenzie Alexander could stay here. I would love to see him stay here for as many years as he'll have us. And I think Bashad Breland too if he plays well. Um but we'll see, you know, where all that goes in. I do think the future of the secondary came through the draft in 2020, though. And I think all the one-year deals are more of a, a factor of the market than like a, a deliberate strategy the Vikings are doing uniquely versus everybody signed a bunch of one-year deals. It's just how it worked. The cap got weird. Trubisky's burner asks. Could we see the Vikings use more dime sets this season with the improved corner depth? Do any of them provide the flexibility to fill in at safety? And that would allow the team to roster, say, three safeties and seven or eight corners and use a corner as the third or fourth safety. Um, Look, I I don't think dime is really up to them. Like if you send dime out and they send out three three tight ends, you're just getting waxed. You're going to get run all over. So I don't know if there's again, it's not like a strategic thing. I I think corner depth is just a good thing to have because guys get hurt. Guys get tired, guys want to rotate, you know, guys, the different matchups and stuff like that, just having a lot of cornerbacks is good. And remember, you know, a lot of the cornerbacks they signed this offseason are going to not make the team, you know, you might not have like Perry Nickerson and Ty Smith don't really like count. They're kind of long shots that might make the roster. And if they do, that's great. Um, I think they probably keep six or seven corners probably keep four safeties, including Cameron Bynum. And then you've got a competition between like Josh Metellus and a couple other guys. And ultimately, the fourth safety position is one that is probably not as good as we want it to be. But that's like the last safety position. And yeah, if a safety gets hurt, they're in a little bit of trouble. But before they were kind of in a world where if a corner gets hurt, they're in like a lot of trouble. Drew Locke Enjoyer. Asks why is Colorado State actually wide receiver university? I have no idea. Chris asks in response to the Falcons fans crying doom over trading Julio. What who, uh, who applies to the first time GIF more Vikings fans or Texans fans? And that's the GIF with James Franco at the gallows saying like first time. Uh, so I think Vikings fans because Texans fans just kind of stink. Vikings have had their hearts ripped out from them. But honestly, it applies to the Falcons fans more honestly. I mean, they had 28 to 3. They've had all kinds of crazy disappointments uh over the Matt Ryan era and now losing Julio Jones. I think like Julio meant more to Atlanta than like Diggs meant to the Vikings. Uh, maybe Nuke meant more to the Texans uh or as much to the Texans or or whatever. But I think it re- it's like Falcons are molded in this, man. Will asks who is more likely to take Kyle Rudolph's snaps, Tyler Conklin or Irv Smith Jr.? This is a weird one because a lot of it is both of them is going to be on the field. So there's going to be a lot of overlap. My the way that I would put it is Irv Smith takes Kyle Rudolph snaps and then Tyler Conklin takes the snap that Irv, the snaps that Irv Smith vacates because he took Kyle Rudolph snaps. So it'll look like Tyler Conklin is taking Kyle Rudolph snaps. But I think the snap count for Irv Smith will increase and the target share will increase for him and stuff uh, relative to what they did with um, Kyle Rudolph. And I also think they'll be able to maybe do some more um complicated concepts because they don't have as limited of a player i think kyle rudolph was sort of a roadblock sort of player uh george asks is the plan to get decent corners to help the defensive line since the team didn't sign another pass rusher but signed good corners i think it's safe to assume they're focused on coverage and letting the defensive line possibly get coverage sex so everything is symbiotic in football You know, somebody else asked about like coverage versus pass rush, and my answer to this is: look, if you were building a team from scratch and you're looking at a defensive lineman and a a cornerback and they're exactly the same grade and you have exactly the same everything and exactly, it's never exactly the same. But if it does come into that like super in a vacuum tiebreaker, I'm taking the cornerback, sure. But it's all very symbiotic. If you have good coverage but a crappy pass rush, your good coverage is you're not going to get as much bang for your buck out of that coverage because. They're going to have to cover for so much longer because your pass rush can't get home and vice versa. If you have a good pass rush, but your coverage stinks, that pass rush, get that's the 2013 Vikings, right? Where they had like Robeson and Jared Allen and Griffin and this crazy pass rush, absolutely no corners and the pass rush didn't matter at all. So look, you need both and the lack of pass rush is going to hurt the coverage as much as the good coverage is going to help the lack of pass rush. It is all symbiotic. And I don't know why the Vikings decided to go for a bajillion corners, but look, a lot of those corners. Corners were veteran minimum guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just extended veteran minimum offers to anybody who would bite and more corners happened to bite. And it wasn't even like a purposeful thing. It was just, hey, who will come play for us for cheap because we're up against it on the cap? And maybe, you know, then. You hand that to Mike Zimmer and say, figure out something with this. You're supposed to be the defensive mastermind. And maybe that's the challenge here. Relim Nadnarb asks, who's the funniest third person to go up on Blue Origin spaceflight next month with Bezos and his brother? Who's the Viking you'd send? Um, The funniest person? I don't know why I think either uh, somebody like Kyrie Irving, who's a flat earther, that'd be phenomenal, or somebody like Elon Musk, like super off the wall, like the last person you'd expect. The Viking I would send has to be Stephen Weatherly, because I feel like he would enjoy it the most. But there's a lot of people that would like really get a kick out of that. But I want to send a flat earther up there, like a like a true leader of the flat earth movement, and send them up and see what happens afterwards. And really just at that point, let the chips fall where they may. Waka Waka asks, does following the Vikings as a job? change anything about your fandom definitely i'm definitely like i won't say i'm less attached because i'm still like you can hear it in my voice after the vikings lose or after the vikings win you'll hear the difference like go back to post game the post game podcast after the atlanta game or after the seattle game last year that one broke me the seattle game hurt and then listen to that versus the post game podcast for Uh, The Denver Broncos comeback game where I was just beside myself, like or after they beat the Saints in the playoffs, like it's definitely still very emotional and in some ways more so because the success of the team like affects my livelihood a lot. But at the on the other hand, I've taken such a more like academic view of football The constant concern over whether or not they will win the Super Bowl this year, it's kind of like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be knee deep in either way. So I don't have to be concerned. I want them to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to kind of structure everything around that they do this to up their chances or lower their chances of winning the Super Bowl. And that's always the the kind of general context. But it doesn't like my whole personality isn't constructed around that. And when I was younger, it definitely was. And I think there's just something to like, if they really stick, like when they were one in five, Old, you know, college Luke would have checked out college Luke did not watch the Vikings that much in 2011. I think I watched the first like two games on an NFL tracker because I didn't know how to stream them and then I basically checked out for the season until the playoffs but now, like, I can't do that. We get blown up by the Falcons. I'm doing an all 22 review. See you all on Wednesday. Uh, Bengals Sands, a Bengals fan, if you can guess, asks who wins in a fight between Mike Zimmer and Zach Taylor. Now, look, Zach Taylor is 6'2, two, 209. Zimmer is older, he's smaller, but Zimmer is also completely insane. So there is, like, this wild card element. Here's a wild card element with any coach, right? Like, if you want to get in a fistfight with a coach, you better be prepared for like literally anything because all of those people are like completely insane. Now, look, I think it's, it's probably Zach Taylor just based on athleticism but if Zimmer's odds are above like plus 200 I'm taking my chances Kurt with two C's asks you and other three other Vikings podcasters have to steal the declaration of independence who's your team and why uh, so I thought really long and hard about this I got to bring Bryant McKinney who counts as a Vikings podcaster because he does believe in Vikings with Dustin Baker over the believe in network um, and he's huge so great we got our muscle and I'm also bringing James Pagoshnik from Norse Code uh, at Big Mono on Twitter who I just think has the criminal wiles for it and if I have to bring a third person for it I'm bringing Luke Inman as well who seems like he has the wild card element that you might need if things go sour I will see you all tomorrow uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Brian O'Neill do a little more story time series in the meantime you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL and shows on Twitter at Locked on Vikings make sure after this show you check out the Locked on Today podcast everything you need to know in the whole wide world of sports under 20 minutes every single morning I'll see y'all tomorrow and as always skull.